So some people will say my mom is going to kill me. And they don't mean that my mom is going to kill me. Right. They mean their mom's going to be really mad, upset, going to be bad, but she's not going to kill them. But there are young people, you know, in all seriousness, who face tremendous risks to their safety if they were to disclose a pregnancy to their parent. We know that unsafe abortion and when abortion is not legal, that the women's health and women's lives are on the line. Hello and welcome to Coco Pods Maternal Mortality Reduction Academy. This is a feature of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. We are recording live from the rural city of Forsyth, Georgia. My name is Dr. Bola Sagadi. I'm a board certified obstetrician, gynecologist, minimally invasive robotic gynecologic surgeon, and a proponent for natural child delivery. We are fortunate to have with us today. Dr. Elise Berland, MD, MPH. What we do know about abortion is that people who want an abortion, who are able to have an abortion, actually have less emotional distress. They have less mental health problems and their families appear to do better financially and educationally. So I think these Questions are very understandable because abortion can be really scary to think about. But I think framing this as a very safe, standard medical procedure, as well as destigmatizing it and letting people know that they are very likely to be healthy and not have any reproductive problems related to their abortion is very important. And how how does a teenager talk to their parents that they're planning to, for those that have that kind of relationship with their parents? So, you know, I think as healthcare providers, we can help our young patients have these conversations with their parents if and when they need. So older adolescents, adolescents who have a nice open relationship with their parents may feel very comfortable talking with them, even may feel comfortable talking with them out of pregnancy and the questions they have about that they may have about what they want to do. I think there may be adolescents who are scared to talk to their families. And it may be that this fear actually gets in the way then of them moving forward with the decision. So I do think as healthcare providers, we can really help support our patients who are afraid to talk to their families. It is important for us to assess safety. So there may be some patients who are afraid to talk to their families who are very afraid for their own physical uh, safety. And if that's the case, then we need to be very careful as providers because we don't want to do anything that's going to imperil the health or the safety of our patients. But in many instances, it's really just the fear of I'm going to disappoint them, you know, all of that. And so if we can assess that the patient feels safe 
and that the fears are really more the latter, then I really do think we can help our patients have these conversations with their parents because having a supportive parent involved in a pregnancy and decisions about a pregnancy is critical in most cases. Yeah, I've had teenagers come and say, my mom is going to kill me. Right. Like physically. Yes. So I think that's, you know, okay, what do I do? Right. So we need to discern, we need to, so some people will say my mom is going to kill me and they don't mean that my mom is going to kill me, right? They're, they mean their mom's going to be really mad, upset. It's going to be bad, but she's not going to kill them. But there are young people, you know, in all seriousness who face tremendous risks to their safety if they were to disclose a pregnancy to their parent. And that's what we need to do as healthcare providers is if we do assess that there is that risk, we need to provide probably even more support to that young patient around helping chaperone and guide them to kind of what their decision is going to be. One of the things that we didn't talk about is that people need time to make this decision. And so, you know, it's not, I would say in my experience, at the first visit, talking about a pregnancy, you may really just kind of go through the options and establish that relationship that you have with the patient and really invite them to return to talk with you more or to help get them to another setting where they can get some counseling. Because a lot of patients are not going to know at that time what's right for them. And for those patients who you might need to be helpful to bring a parent in, then maybe that's something you can facilitate when they come back. For your really young patients or patients who have risk for violence, you're going to probably need to be extra thoughtful about how you support them in this early part of their pregnancy. Thank you. So so what what are the pros and cons? And you alluded to this here and there of denying a young person abortion services as a healthcare provider? So I think as a healthcare provider, you know, I know that we have each of us thoughts and feelings about adolescent pregnancy, about abortion. I think we each need to do that kind of values clarification and that self-understanding to know where our biases are and to know what the care is that we can provide. There are, you know, colleagues among us who may not feel comfortable in providing this care. They just know, you know, I'm not either, I'm not able to do this because of my religion or another kind of moral reason, or I'm just not going to be very good at this. My biases are going to come out. If you're not able to provide this kind of unbiased care, it's really critical that you identify someone who can and help support the patient to get to that person as quickly as possible. And that is aligned with guidance from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the American Academy of Pediatrics. Like if you are unable to do it, like we would, the world would probably love for you to provide this care. You know, human beings and your patients will be best supported if they can get this care in their home medical setting. But if you're not able to provide it, help get that care as soon as possible by one of your colleagues or another setting. Thank you for that. You know, and again, disparities happen in abortion care. 
disparities in abortion care mean that not everyone has the same access to or experience with or outcomes from abortion services. These differences can show up in various ways, such as where people live, how much money they have, and what they know about reproductive health, or even their racial or their ethnic background, and even the laws in their area. It's about some people facing more challenges or obstacles than others when it comes to getting the care they need. So who are the subpopulation of teenagers at risk for disparities in abortion care? Yeah, so I think you have mentioned so many of them, you know, and it it has to be said, if you live in a state where abortion is not legal, like you are really going to have challenges, especially as an adolescent accessing abortion care, because adolescents are not as familiar. They're not, they don't, they may not know their health insurance. They may not be able to get out of school. They may not be able to, you know, manage all of the complexities and accessing care that even an adult can. So adolescents, by virtue of their age themselves, are more challenged accessing abortion care. But among adolescents, there are disparities. So adolescents who are living in poverty, adolescents who have chronic disability, adolescents who are part of the LGBTQ community, adolescents who live in rural areas, adolescents who are involved in the juvenile detention system or foster care, all of these people face additional barriers to accessing abortion care. And if there's finally like a healthcare provider that wants to support a teenager's decision for abortion, how can they really facilitate abortion referral? And I think you said you'll have some resources. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the American Academy of Pediatrics policy statement that we published in 2022, we really do talk about a variety of referral support. So, you know, one provider might say, you know, I'd like you to go to talk to Planned Parenthood because they are very equipped in doing options counseling. I'm not, you know, I'm not particularly equipped. That is a referral. It's not a tremendous amount of facilitation. The other spectrum of this is going to be a provider who says, let's make sure you get to someone who can give you all of the information you need. Let's make sure You know, if you decide for having an abortion, that you get to the place you need to go, that you have transportation, that you're getting good care, that I'm following up with you afterwards, that I feel like, like really a wraparound holistic view. And we are not saying that a healthcare provider must provide, you know, the full facilitated referral, just that that is within the scope of, you know, activities that we can provide. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so I think we did talk about the conscience of the healthcare provider in doing all of this. There there are healthcare system disparities, you know, bias or judgmental attitudes from healthcare providers affecting the quality of care and support, limited integration of reproductive health services into primary care leading to fragmented care. And, you know, pregnancy is a private matter, yet a very public matter. Mm -hmm. 
pregnancy is a personal affair, but also has implications for the community. What about laws <laughs> that rely on private citizens to bring civil suits against anyone who, quote unquote, abets an abortion, such as the Texas Senate Bill 8 and other laws that may penalize or criminalize healthcare professionals providing counseling about pregnancy options and referrals for abortion care. So, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> so fortunately, so Texas does have this law that you mentioned that allows private citizens to, you know, essentially bring a civil suit against anyone who aids and abets an abortion. Fortunately, most other states, even those that have abortion restrictions, do not have language like this and do not have statutes like this. So, you know, for healthcare providers who are listening, it's important for you to know kind of your state laws. But for the most part, you will be supported ethically and by your professional societies if you follow the accepted standards of care, which is that we provide unbiased options counseling around pregnancy options as a routine matter of care. And I think there are going to be exceptional circumstances that I'm sure they don't feel exceptional if it's you. But for the most part, those types of civil suit laws are not the norm. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, where is a good place to find resources on all these points we touched on, especially for our young patients? Yeah. So I have a couple websites that I that I wanted to share with your listeners. There is a website called abortionfinder.org. This website is run by a group called Power to Decide, and a person can go on Abortion Finder. It's legit. It's validated. They put in, They don't need to put in their personal information, but they put in, I'm this age, this is where I live, and the Abortion Finder website will actually pull in the state laws, the the clinics, the services that are providing abortions in the region. So that is a really nice place for someone who may be considering abortion to look at what is available to them. I wanted to also share a couple other ones. There is a website called ifwhenhow.org. And this is a website that provides more um, legal guidance to pregnant people about what their options are, and they operate a repro legal helpline. So on the main page, they can navigate to even a helpline around questions around criminalization of abortion or miscarriage. So that's a good one to know too. PlanCHills.org is a site that provides information about medication abortion and the different ways that a person can access medication abortion. So that's plan, like the letter C as in? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I can send these to you so that you can link them if you'd like. Nice. So plancpills.org is information about medication abortion. And the next one is called abortion funds. .org. So abortion, F-U-N-D-S dot O-R-G. And this is actually a national website 
that lists abortion funds. So funds that are donated to help people pay for abortion and abortion related costs like transportation, hotels, et cetera. So abortionfunds.org lists kind of all the abortion funds in the U.S. And a person can scroll through and see the ones that might be eligible for. And then finally, there is a hotline, which is the National Abortion Federation hotline. And the number is 1-800-772-9100. And a pregnant patient can actually call the National Abortion Hotline and speak to a real human being and learn about what their pregnancy options are and for abortion, learn about abortion options that might be applicable to them. Well, thank you. And before we close, I want to ask you this, and I don't think we talked about it, but the abortion you are talking about is done by a healthcare provider because I also have an international audience. And I want you to talk about, you know, when an abortion is done illegally, you know, because, you know, I've been, you know, I give it a lot of talks in Africa and I've been to Asia and I've seen young people trying to put a coat hanger up there, you know. So, I mean, can you just make a statement about, you know, because it's safe, but it's safe when it's, it's done by qualified healthcare professional and properly. But some teenagers have no access and they've heard about things. You know, I had a classmate die in medical school because we did pharmacokinetics of chloroquine and she learned that chloroquine would cause an abortion. But, you know, the, it could also prolong your QRS complex. And she actually died from an overdose of chloroquine. So can you say something about the, the legality of, uh, you know, abortion and how teenagers should seek help for this? Oh, I think you just said it better than than I could ever say it. But we know how important safe and legal abortion is. And for those of us who are advocates for young people and for families and communities, we advocate for safe, legal abortion. We know that not everybody is going to have access to safe and legal abortion. And so for people who are in those circumstances, you know, I think the best guidance that I have is to find access to safe abortion. There is a group that's called Aid Access and the website is aidaccess.org and they are a group that's run by a physician, but they will mail abortion medication throughout the world in a very discreet package, but in a way that the regimen is physician approved, it's safe to do. So there are services, and this is one of them that is vetted and known to be a good service that can help people access abortion care. But we know that unsafe abortion and when abortion is not legal, that the women's health and women's lives are on the line. And and how far can they, how find the pregnancy? Because that, that's another question. Can a young person consider an abortion without, you know, without problems for her or the baby? Yeah, I think those questions are going to be probably best customized to the patient and to her circumstances. There are guidelines that the World Health Organization has put out. The FDA has guidelines on our medication here, methapristone. 
So there, there are guidelines that are part of the work that we do as healthcare professionals that guide when you can use medication abortion, as well as kind of the different procedural abortion options. I think that does though bring me back to, you know, our initial conversation about supporting young people, right? So we, we know that people who face an unwanted pregnancy who are young people often are in denial and they often don't seek help. So what we can do as their trusted healthcare providers, as adults in their lives who care for them is to support them, to stay in it with them until we know that they have gotten linked to prenatal care or been able to access abortion so that they don't find themselves in a circumstance where they have very limited options and are potentially considering unsafe options. So that sounds like closing thoughts, but can you wrap everything together and give, you know, like final words of encouragement for teenagers who may be listening or their dads or moms, you know, on this topic of pregnancy options counseling for the pregnant adolescent patient, Dr. Elise Berland, thank you so much for coming. And I want you to tie everything together in a message for the non-pregnant teenager, the pregnant teenager, and their moms and dads. And so I should also say that I am a parent of um, adolescents as well. So, you know, this is not just academic for me. I would say the message is around communication and unconditional love. So talking about young people and their parents, I think we know that the best, you know, experiences for young people and in their families are when they can talk about the issues that matter to them. So when they can talk about puberty, when they can talk about having their periods, when they can talk about masturbation, when they can talk about, you know, sexual reproductive health questions. And when the parents know that they don't have to be the experts, they just have to do their best and listen and support and help connect the young person to services. So This is a little different than the rest of our talk, but since we're talking about young people and their adults in their lives, we really want to have supportive adults in the lives of young people, and we want to maintain those lines of communication. So I think that's my parting thought is that as parents, you know, we don't always like what our young people are telling us, but the most important thing to do is to keep the line of communication open and be there with unconditional love at the end of the day. Wow. Wow. You know, again, I just want to extend my most grand appreciation for your willingness to participate in CocoaPods podcast, a podcast that we believe can make change. So thank you so much, Dr. Elise Berland, MD, MPH, one of the lead authors of this publication in the American Academy of Pediatrics, Options Counseling for the Pregnant Adolescent Patient. So thank you so much for coming on to CocoaPods podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Bola Sogade. It was such a pleasure to talk with you. I am so encouraged by the work that you do, that your birth center does, and that your foundation does. So please don't hesitate to reach out if there's ever an opportunity in the future for us to partner together. Thank you.